Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Bat-Ass Beyond, the newest iteration of the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? So what do you do if your friend thinks he's a nine, but he's actually a six? Back on track. Love it. Um, I don't know. Give me an example. Like, what's what is the uh, uh, the outward facing uh, actions that come along with with said delusion? Uh, well, he's single and he really doesn't want to be. And the only girls that he seems interested in are way way out of his league. Quick question before you uh, before you go any further: Is this going to be another situation mm-hmm. where someone listens to this and knows exactly who you're talking about, and you regret it later? <laughs> That's why I'm keeping. No, this is why I'm keeping it vague. Okay. So I have a lot of single I have a lot of single friends who probably think they're more attractive than they are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's part of being a man and growing up and getting older. We all sort of like, yeah, probably an 8 on a good day, you know? <laughs> you know, the longer you're out of the dating market, the more you can delude yourself into thinking you're still hot shit, I, and, you know, maybe you're not. I bought a comb. I haven't used it yet, but I have it. That's that's at least <laughs> 2 points, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know if I need to have the conversation where I'm like, hey man, maybe you need to start swiping right on girls that are more in your league. But I don't want to insult the guy. <laughs> you think he would just figure it out. You know, you think you would just like, okay, maybe uh, these hot girls aren't into me. Maybe I'm going to like dumb it down a bit and start swiping right on some some local uggos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, I can't. I, 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 I hope you show all, all the new people to town around the city because it sounds like... <laughs> It sounds like you know you know where things are at. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm sure we all have that friends in our lives who uh, like, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we can get back to Batman. Anyway, now. Uh, yes, we're talking about two episodes of Batman Beyond today. We're talking about Meltdown and Heroes, and uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with Meltdown. All right, Meltdown, story by Hillary J. Bader, teleplay by Hillary J. Bader and Alan Burnett, directed by Kurt Gaeta. And in this one, Wayne Powers builds a new body for Victor Freeze, better known as Batman's opponent, Mr. Freeze, in the hope that a similar... You know, it's funny. Most of the time, it's like, oh, blah, 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 Mr. Freeze, and then they'd be like, no, it's Dr. Freeze. You know, if someone has the doctor right. and they're miscalled, but he, I guess he's fine being called Mr., even though he spent all that time at Ice Medical School. Does, does he ever tell anyone to call him Mr. Freeze? I guess not. So maybe he's just being really passive. Maybe his whole thing is he's passive aggressive about the fact that people don't respect his degree. <laughs> anyway. What do you call a uh, doctor who fails out of med school? What's that? A dentist. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> That's an old dad joke. I apologize. <laughs> I think it was actually in Seinfeld, but I'm sure it existed before that. Uh, let's see, where was I? Uh, Batman, Mr. Freeze, in the hope that a similar treatment might reverse Derek Powers' transformation into Blight. Seemingly cured of his need for extreme cold, Freeze tries to redeem himself, but neither the former Batman Bruce Wayne nor his former victims completely trust him, and his benefactors have plans of their own. Wayne's protege, Terry McGinnis, seeks to help Freeze in his redemption. Um, this is a very interesting episode because i feel like this 
is 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 an episode of two worlds because as this got started i was so ready to give this a four or possibly even a five mm-hmm. until it hit about the halfway point and then it just turned okay. into like a a, a a a monster punch fight yeah i i thought you would really like when freeze starts going crazy because the action and the animation and he, he's pretty brutal and pretty quick when he flips you know yeah yeah i mean i didn't dislike it but like the first half of it i found a lot more engaging and i i, I know it's an unfair bar to set with mr freeze episodes obviously because of uh, uh heart of ice and right. whatnot but yeah. i i thought like the scene at the the cemetery was really great where he talks to the where, where the the middle-aged man in the ninja costume tries to kill him. Yeah, um, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Actually, yeah, and uh, and you know he 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 tries to he tries his best to uh, tell the guy that he's reformed and stuff. And like I, I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be a more gradual slip back, but it was pretty quick. He went from "I'm a new man" into "I've got a new robot suit and I'm just going to murder everybody" very quickly. Yeah. So this is often seen as one of the top 10 best episodes of this series. Okay. So this is a contender for a five. I don't, just on just technically speaking, you know, if you're going to give out 10 fives in this whole series, according to a lot of lists, this should be one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is, I think this is a seven, 70% of what Heart of Ice was. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, and I guess I, I a lot of people who love this series, this is going to piss them off. But I don't know, man. I just think that Batman the animated series was great when it was at its greatest. Right. When this is at its greatest, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I just think that uh, if you want to grade based on the other Beyond episodes, this might be a five. But if you want to grade against Batman cartoons, we've been talking about the last few years. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like it kind of suffers from the stuff we were talking about in season four of Batman the Animated Series, where it's like, it, it feels like they don't have enough time to really explore stuff, because it yeah. it goes mm-hmm. to the action so quickly, and then it's just over. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's too bad, because it was such an interesting setup, and, and I, I think there was more stuff you could have gotten out of this but it yeah just it switches over into just um i mean it is a saturday morning cartoon but it switches into saturday morning cartoon mode pretty quickly so uh this is the first time uh blight is named is that correct um i can't i honestly can't remember it might be the first time he tells someone to call him that but i can't i can't right i feel like he might have said it before but maybe not let's just say it is so the fight at the end, the viewer knows that it's Powers versus Freeze and that this is kind of like a, an ultimate matchup because one guy fucked over the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Powers has reason to get involved with this fight. Freeze has no idea who this guy is. Right, yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's not that strong. Like, he should know that Powers is Blight. He should know that this is the guy that revived him and he's the one to blame or whatever. Yeah, I feel like there's a, there's a section missing in the middle um, that no. precedes his freezes uh, ultimate uh, heel turn at the end. Um, but yeah. yeah, he just gets really sweaty 
and then and then runs out of the uh, runs out of the the laboratory and then comes back with a a secret ice suit that he's kept in storage cold storage for uh 50 yep. years or so um yep yeah it's technically advanced of course because he's way ahead of the, of his time yep yep and it also um, it's technically advanced and it also fits an entire human body but you'd think that at the time he was making this he would be like well i'm only ahead now so i may as well make it mostly ro-. maybe he cut his own head off and then put his mm. new severed head in the robot that's yeah. that's pretty metal yeah there's no I'll tell you there's what, no reason for me to think that's the case, but <laughs> I assumed he designed the suit when he had a whole body. Um, sure, but then it begs the question: Why would you not wear this years ago? I mean, you don't even need a freeze gun anymore. You just... Good to see you, Victor. It's been a while. <laughs> nice of you to stop by. I've been holding your, your cold suit for you. I put some modifications on it, but it's good to be back in business. I'm still alive. Fifty years later, still handing out playing cards to idiots trying to rob banks. And Freeze is like, oh, yes, I noticed a man in a SWAT ninja suit in the cemetery. I assumed he got that from you. Yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> he looks like that G.I. Joe beachhead. He, he, I don't know why a, I know that. He had a very specific look he was going for. <laughs> and it was the best I could do. I don't know how, how yeah. often I'm going to be able to do old brand manager because that's a bit of a rough yeah. one in the voice. Careful, man. Yeah, we need to come up with a. So his daughter, uh, Brandy, has taken over the business by now, and I, she's probably got a kid herself. You know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be that much more comfortable doing a a, a, a woman's voice, a lady's voice. <laughs> yeah. Well, as the resident soprano here, I guess that could be my job, uh-huh. but I don't feel that comfortable doing it either. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I you know uh, I I thought there was stuff in this that was really cool. I I really like the invisibility animation on Batman. I th- hmm. I wondered that must have been a pain in the ass to do. Because it's like yeah. it's like a half yeah. like a fifty percent opacity kind of thing um mm-hmm. of of the shading that they're putting on top of everything. So that I wonder how difficult that was to was to do. Yeah, I, I thought that too, and I thought it might actually be easy just because you're just drawing the figure like you always do mm-hmm. and you're not animating half of it. Once you figure That's out true. where the shadows fall, you're you're done. That's true. Good point. Um I have another um complaint about the music in this and i think i've landed on something that i didn't quite realize before mm-hmm. um see with the original series they used a full orchestra which all with all these different orchestral music and you could use that same setup for any kind of tone you wanted if you wanted it exciting if you wanted it mysterious if you wanted it sad so the music kind of all matched uh when you go into electric guitar solos it's really hard to do a scene where Freeze is mourning his dead body in a cemetery. Um, like they they start with this like sad music. It just doesn't sound at all like the rest of the 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 music in the show. And yeah. this happens a lot whenever there's a serious scene. Like when you go with guitar for the opener, there's no way to like continue to use an electric guitar for a sad cemetery scene. You know, you're kind of like you put down one set of instruments and you had to grab a new set, and that's what <laughs> makes the music in the show not feel like it's lining up all the time yeah you know i have noticed that the the music in the in the body of the show does feel a bit disjointed in that way where it's all kind of disjointed yeah it's kind of the same levels of intense Uh, i will say however we are this is the fifth episode we've watched and Mm -hmm. i have watched the intro every time and i i do have to say i do really like the intro now (laughs) 
So you uh, listened to the music by itself. I did. Said, yes, right. I did. I when yeah. I was cutting the first episode together, I listened to the theme song just in headphones, and I my, my takeaway yeah. was this song is actually pretty awesome. But you know, I almost uh, wanted to prank you and say there was a vinyl record release of this and design a vinyl ad and send it to you and then send you on a witch hunt that doesn't exist. <laughs> you spent years honestly, this vinyl down. I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't. Uh, Mondo put out this giant two-volume set of the music from the animated series across like right. 25 albums or something. And I'm, right. I'm surprised that they haven't done Batman. Maybe they will. Who knows? And right. then the joke I'm will looking be on up right you. Mondo. Mondo Batman Beyond. Mondo Batman Beyond. I always forget his full vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, animated series vinyl box set. Yeah, I think that's just that must just be for the uh, TAS. Celebrating continues. Uh, yeah, you're right. Damn it. That that All set right, is. We'll look at this later. That set is awesome though. They did two of them, and they're they're very expensive, but the uh, the the production on those sets are amazing. Right. Um, yeah, no vinyl record here. So to finish my point about the music, yeah. um, I feel like if they had gone with Synthwave, Synthwave has the ability to be exciting and impactful, and you can use it in a cemetery scene where things are quiet. Like I feel like if they had gone with, and I know Synthwave wasn't like as popular back then mm. as it was now, but I, I was trying to think of like, they should have gone with a way of making music that allowed itself to adapt to different different scenes without feeling so disjointed. And synthwave can do that, yeah. whereas heavy, like electric bad guitar solos just can't. You know? Yeah, it is. It is a little bit unfortunate that they that they were stuck in the musical era that they were. Because yeah, I think I think if this was a few years later, maybe they could have come back around to the synthesizer thing of it all. Which yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if the if if I'm making this connection in my head because of my my recollection of the show but while it doesn't seem as dynamic as the music from the animated series it doesn't mm -hmm. also really necessarily feel out of place i think because when i think of batman beyond i think of this kind of music so i i, I think mm -hmm. that's probably a chicken and the egg scenario but yeah that's fair uh, did you know batman beyond was an emmy award-winning show oh really uh, emmy award-winning music composers Christopher Carter, Lolita, Lolita Ritmanis, and Michael oh, McCoyschen. That's the weirdest Scottish-Irish name I've ever read. <laughs> uh, collectively known as the Dynamic Music Partners. All right, well, that's easier. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I still can't find this, like, I thought there was a, music, a soundtrack to this show with, like, so-called popular bands in the late 90s, and uh, I must have made that up. Yeah, are you sure that wasn't just like something you wrote inside your notebook in high school of what you wished would happen? <laughs> Puddle of mud all the way, baby. We've got to do the Batman Beyond cover. Rob Zombie does the Mr. Freeze theme for Meltdown. Oh, man. You know what? I'd take that because you know I'm a, for some reason, I'm a Rob Zombie fan. <laughs> Slam in the back of my cold suit that I wear. See, because I, I'm half deaf, I can't hear his lyrics and his lyrics are hard to hear even for like oh yeah someone i don't perfect hearing. i don't know half of what he says in those songs yeah uh but i've given like because my hearing is so bad i always just give up trying to hear 
uh, lyrics. Like, I can hear the wheel in the sky keeps on turning, obviously, <laughs> but a lot of the other stuff, like Bobbity Bob, Bobbity Bob, 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 and the wheel in the sky uh, okay. keeps on turning. I was like, going to say, I was going to say, if you, if you can't hear the lyrics, I'm surprised you're <laughs> so focused in on them. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it's the, the fact that they are so epic, they make their way through. <laughs> Because I can't hear a lot of lyrics. When I do hear them, it's just like having my eyes open for the first That's time. That's true. <laughs> you know? You know <laughs> like in that Val Kilmer movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love at first sight or whatever. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it. I was joking with Wes the other day. Uh, we were talking about that, that terrible Metallica album, St. Anger. And uh-huh. uh, in a vacuum, some lyrics some lyrics in that that are that are that uh, would be pretty, pretty good contenders for this list. Like... Uh, yeah. My lifestyle determines my death style. That's pretty intense. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I'm, That's it. I'm madly in anger with you. Uh-huh. All right. Also, a little, uh, both pretty bad. Angsty, but, but yeah. sure. No, yep. uh, it's unfortunate that it comes from a, a terrible album. Yeah. I would love it if you found a way to put over Metallica, <laughs> put them on this list. And I know putting over is a wrestling word. Yeah, you're, you're so close. Bother. You're so close. God damn it. <laughs> This podcast I listen to uses a lot of wrestling jargon too, and now I can't get rid of it. Which one? <laughs> well, it's the uh, comics by Perch. Oh, sure, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I love that one. Yeah. Um, but he, he's a wrestling fan, and he throws one in every now and then. I don't even think he knows he's doing it, and I'm just like, "Fuck! I know what these are now because of Clay." <laughs> um, what did you think of Mister Freeze's design in this? Uh, I love that they brought back the goggles. Yep. That was my biggest uh, anger, my biggest issue with the season four costume. Um, other than that, like I'm not really big into techie freeze. I kind of like uh, low tech, um, classic, basic freeze. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, when I drew him in White Knight, I really I gave him this um, vintage Victorian sort of diver suit. Mm. Um, I mixed in a lot of like copper pipes and um, kind of classic things. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what you would do to describe it, but uh, yeah. I was really particular about his design, even though I didn't really use it all that often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, I think it's okay. I th- it's probably my least favorite of the uh, um, animated series, Mister Freezes. Yeah, that's fair. It, I I like his helmet a lot. I like the, the how they did that um, hard shadow, hard light look that they use on in like the radiation sequences and stuff to to oh, throw yeah. his face into shadow and then have the red yeah. the red eyes. That's cool. Um, it kind of reminds me a bit of, uh, I don't know if he, I don't think he designed this costume. Let me send you this cover real quick. Um, but it's a Kelly Jones version of Mr. Freeze from the nineties that I remember seeing this in the nineties and loving this suit. Uh, but he's, it's a bit of a, a bit of too over muscled Mm -hmm. for me for Mr. Freeze, but, uh, it reminded me a lot of that suit. It also reminded me of Ghost Rider 2099. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, this looks like, um, depending on what year this came out, this could be the Schwarzenegger influence on Freeze. Yeah. They might have told him to make him, you know, bigger. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. What is going? What is going on with his rib cage? That's Kelly Jones <laughs> rib cage, baby. It's good drawing, but then there's this like bulbous uh, extra set of ribs that he stole from Marilyn Manson, yeah. probably. <laughs> yep, that's where it got him. <laughs> it's canon. Yep. <laughs> Um, it's fun when we do throwback jokes to previous episodes. <laughs> Pays off for people who listen to the show. Hey, uh, so speaking of which, um, we were at Boston Con, where we're called Wicked 
con, a Wicked Boston con. It was a one-day show. It was a resounding success, yeah. which is great, Fantastic. because one-day shows could go either way. They're going to do uh, expand it to two days next year. Um, so that's exciting. While I was there, I had two different people come up to me. Uh, the first guy goes, uh, how was your trip in? And I go, good. And he goes, uh, did you fly in? And I go, no, I drove. And he's like, so no airplane boner. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's getting around. And then another guy came up and he's like, hey, man, airplane boner? Fucking brilliant. My, my wife still believe. My wife told my wife, and I she's going to go to the grave believing that that's true. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Man, so you're... then I told Corinne about it. Uh, Corinne Howell is a, a friend of uh, Clay and mine. She's, you know, younger than us, redheaded. Uh, she calls herself goth. I don't know if she's actually goth, but she's a really talented artist. Um, and she was asking what Airplane Boner was. And rather than lie to her, I told her, like, oh, it's this gimmick. It's this thing I'm trying to, to put over uh, mm-hmm. on people. And uh, she goes home, and she tries to tell her boyfriend, Russ, this. And he immediately calls bullshit and says, uh, no, sorry, he doesn't call bullshit. He goes, I've already heard of that. And she goes, what? So she looks it up. There is some Urban Dictionary that already is uh, airplane boner is a thing. What? If you look it up, it's already a thing. And this, uh, the entry for the definition was posted in 2018. Now, I've been telling this bullshit story of mine for like 10 years. So either I came across the same idea or this is actually a physical phenomenon. I'm, I'm not lying to you people right mm-hmm. now. I promise you. Look it up yourself. It's there. I did not write that. I have just looked um, it up. I have just looked it up and you are correct. It does exist on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, it talks about air, you know pressure changing in the cabin and blood flow. Yep. It doesn't mention uh, putting down your tray table to hide your boner. It does mention uh, tightening your seatbelt really hard to make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> and Corinne asked, "Well, does this happen with women?" And I'm like, "I don't even know what you call it, like airplane labia. That that's just gross." That, yes, that's <laughs> airplane snatch. There it is. Okay, all right, maybe. <laughs> Maybe Man, we... if there's ever time for me to do a female's voice, now yeah, would be it. But uh, yeah. I got nothing. Losing, losing the, losing the credentials to make that one get work. Um, Air, airplane flange. Okay, no, flange is an Australian word. People don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, anyway, yeah, it's getting that's, around that's, one way or the other. It's getting that's around. That's very interesting. I, uh, yeah. I now the now the question is, is that did that make it to Urban Dictionary based on something that you? said 10 mm-hmm. years ago or right. did it just osmote its way into your mind over the i don't know that's really interesting yeah yeah i don't know or this is actually a phenomenon that uh yeah let us know. let us know your thoughts and, on airplane boner yeah i need to, to because i set this up as a prank i was gonna say i need someone who uh has experienced this for real to explain to me exactly what's going on here but because i know that i set this up as bullshit it's gonna be really hard for me to believe that person at the same time yes you have definitely put yourself (laughs) in a position for a lot of uh uh, a lot of tall tales to come your way if i die on my tombstone i want you to write a you know drawer of batman and creator of airplane boner yeah i'll put one of those above the other but i won't tell you which one (laughs) Um, we've got another this is uh, the first episode that features a a returning Batman villain an old school Batman villain Um, that's which is fun it also has a uh, uh, Linda Hamilton does a voice in this she's the voice of the of the doctor uh, who oh who I shit I had no idea yeah I know I I didn't notice it either until I was looking it up and I saw her name in the credits she doesn't have Hmm. she doesn't have a ton of lines 
Um, yeah. And her voice is not as recognizable as I thought it would be. You know, she was in the um, Batwoman movie we watched. Uh, Wasn't her voice in that? No, sorry. She played Bruce's uh, green-eyed wife. Yes, yes, yeah. That's what it was. Okay. I was going to say maybe when they brought her in to record, um, they did it all at once, and they had her just for a whole day just try different things, and they used it throughout the years. But who knows? Maybe they brought her back in multiple times. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I always wonder. Who knows? Did they? Sorry. I was just going to say, I always wonder with that stuff as far as these uh, voiceover jobs go. Because some of them, yeah, some of them are, are known people, I'm sure we've talked about this before, um, who just have a few lines, and it, is that something that you do, do you just swing in after lunch and and work for two hours and, and do your lines and then get out, or is it kind of like, uh, we've got four projects yeah. here, let's bring you in, we'll spend the day, we'll do all four of them kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, the the quality of sound recording... If you're so, I have a friend. She's um, she's actually doing voice acting for Spider-Man video games for PlayStation. Oh, cool! Um, and she's moving from LA back to Maine because she misses it, and she is going to continue recording from here. So I, she just needs a, some kind of a sound room and a mic and headphones, and I think yeah. she's good to go. I mean, if you want to, I think it's better to have everybody in the same room so they can act off each other. But you know, budget constraints being considered here it makes a lot of sense for them to just be able to record from home yeah i think i think recording of uh animation voices altogether is pretty rare these days i think most shows do it remotely or if if not remotely like one by one some of them i wonder like i've always wondered about bob's burgers because uh, do you ever watch bob's burgers no but i know uh john benjamin and those those guys yeah i i always wondered if they did it in the same room because there's there tends to be a lot of like overlap it, that sounds like it's two people just sort of like riffing with each other and so i don't no. know if that's people in the room yeah. actually doing that or if it's just very um <clears throat> yeah. creatively constructed because i know archer is i i thought the mm-hmm. same thing about archer but apparently archer is not in the same room the archer is re- recorded separately so who knows right so there used to be this show called uh, Home Movies that was part of... Um, oh, sure. Yeah, uh, I know like, Home Movies, yeah. Yeah, like Late Night Cartoon Network. And uh, John Benjamin was on that show, which is when he, how he got on my radar because I just thought he was hysterical. And I think Brendan Smalls, who also did Metalop- Metalocalypse. Oh, yeah, show sure. Later on. Sure. And that show was done um, super low budget. I assume they all lived in L.A. I lived in L.A. at the time. And um, I think they would just go and record and improv off each other and then they would sort of piece together an episode um which is why home movies can be hit and miss um so if it's that same production mentality i could see like hey we got a mic we got a a sound room covid's over why don't we just hire people locally and we'll invite them over we'll get drunk we'll fuck around we'll record some shit and then we'll see what happens like i think that could be very productive and almost cost savings because well who knows i I have no idea i'm not a producer (laughs) Yeah, I think stuff that has a bit more gloss to it probably isn't doing that because, like, home movies, like you said, it's it's pretty pretty low budget seeming and and definitely yeah. just like a uh, let's right. get in there and kind of kind of do it thing. Um, and I, I mean, on the other end of things, you've got The Simpsons, which for a very long time, I don't even think, you know, once COVID hit, there was a lot of uh, voice recording and stuff that was being done from home, obviously. But even before that. Um, 
the Simpsons have been doing it remotely for like years and years. I think I think yeah. everybody on the Simpsons has like a setup in their house or something, so they don't even have to leave the house. Yeah, yeah shows that are tradi- animation is traditionally scripted, like. Homer says something, right. then Marge says something, right. then Bart says something. You don't usually have characters talking over each other and laughing. and That's kind of a modern, um, that's like a millennial style of comedy that's kind of new to animation. Um, you know, characters talking over each other, interrupting, and one character stopping. The other. You know, like, sort of like the, it's always sunny in Philadelphia mm-hmm. type of cadence. Mm-hmm. And you have three people sort of talking over each other, but you can still kind of follow it. An mm-hmm. animation that really wasn't done until I don't know when, but yeah, it feels very new for animation. And like you said, a lot of shows are not set up that way. The scripts are not set up for Marge to talk over Bart, yeah. for Lisa well, to make a joke under her voice. They used to be like Archer, like uh, um, the Simpsons used to have do it with multiple people in the room because they. Uh, right. um, like at least the episodes I know with Albert Brooks, where he would guest star, he would be like ninety percent improv anyway. So you'd have to put him in a room with somebody else to to go off of. Um, yeah, and so you get a little bit of that, not 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 a ton, but every now and then that stuff pops right. up in The Simpsons. But yeah, yeah. not on Batman That's Beyond. Cool. Nope. <laughs> and honestly, and I know we've talked about this before too, but I I always I wonder if that's part of why the modern movies feel kind of flat in their voice performances mm-hmm. because it's not people in a room acting off of each other. It's it's It feels like it's just people recording lines. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that with them trying to save money, you're just going to see that more and more. Yeah, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, it's funny. I remember, who was it? Uh, listening to a podcast, they were talking about Don Bluth and how he... Uh, I don't think we've talked about this. In the late 70s, Disney was saving money on animation by not inking the cells. Right. And I don't know if it's called inking, but whatever the technique was to make it the lines look smooth, they did away with that. So when you look at like Disney's Robin Hood, you can see the outlines are kind of chalky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it looks cool because it makes it look more raw. But Don Blue did not like this. And that was one of the many reasons why he left mm. was... This isn't real animation. This isn't real. This isn't the correct way to do two D. And so he started his own, you know, fuck you studios <laughs> to Disney. <laughs> He's kind of like uh, Megadeth is to Metallica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what's his name? Um, uh, Dave Lane. Mustaine. Dave Mustaine. Thank you. <laughs> He's the Dave Mustaine of animation. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a really good way to describe but, him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he had been trying for years because he tried to do that, but his stuff. The Don Bluth stuff was never really a hit and a big money maker, right? Unless you're talking Anastasia, that's probably his biggest hit. Mm-hmm. And even now, uh, I think he talked about doing a Kickstarter to fund a movie. He's going to do it the correct two D way. But the thing is that animation has moved on two, two or three generations since then. Like his grudge goes back to 1984. Meanwhile, we've gone from like, you know, animating in Korea mm-hmm. to uh, Flash to whatever animation is now. And he's, he's like, he will not let it go, man. That dude's got to be like 80 or 90 years old at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that whole that whole switch over for Disney is was really fascinating. When, when we first got Disney Plus, one of the things that we watched was uh, Sleeping Beauty because I haven't I hadn't seen Sleeping Beauty in like 25 years. <clears throat> and that yeah. movie is unbelievably gorgeous. Like it is so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, the design and everything is gorgeous, and um, they had this really long 
making of thing, and I may have talked about this before, I forget. And um, mm-hmm. they essentially, they talked about how Sleeping Beauty kind of broke the Disney animation system because it mm-hmm. was such a big spectacle and by the standards of how long and how much money it took to produce, it was not a hit. And so mm-hmm. they needed to figure out a way to make mm-hmm. cheaper animation movies. So that Robin Hood thing, uh, look that you're talking about, is actually, mm-hmm. they did that using a Xerox machine. So what they oh, would, wow. yeah, what they would do is the uh, animators would do their pencils, and instead of, like you're saying, sending it to the ink and paint section, who would literally ink and paint each cell, they would Xerox the pencils onto transparent cells, and then mm-hmm. they would they would paint that. And so it would save a, right. a really late. I mean, a lot of people unfortunately lost their jobs, but uh, it mm-hmm. saved like a, a ton of time in that middle step. And it does, yeah, it does give yeah. it a really unique, cool look mm-hmm. because you can see actually see the pencil marks of the people who are drawing instead of these more smoother yeah. uh inclines you get like the and I, I forget who it was who was heading up the department but that was something that he actually was like no leave those imperfections in specifically because mm-hmm. it was so cool and so unique to be able yeah. to see like oh well there's the drawing but it was that like a, just like a ghost of a of an arm that was erased that was kind of still there mm-hmm. it's it's very cool yeah <clears throat> He's like, by the way, don't don't tell Dave Lestane about this. Yeah. <laughs> Flip out. Dave walks in. He's like, hey, guys, what are you doing? They're like, hey, how you doing, buddy? Oh, you're the man. You're the big animator. He's like, all right, see ya. And then they're like, fucking jack off. He doesn't know where animation's headed. Nope. Anyway, nope. yeah, we're going to use this technique from now on, fellas. Just don't tell the shithead, all right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, so what did you think of the animation of this one? I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I thought the fight at the end was pretty cool. I, I really liked the sequence yeah. at the end. I really liked the emergence of Mr. Freeze where all the, the giant spikes and stuff came out of the ground, the big icicles yeah, and that stuff. Was, I like when he started going nuts and getting pissed off and just blasting everywhere. I thought, um, I when I was young, I really liked the line, his final line of like, "You're no, believe me, Batman, you're the only one that cares. Yeah. I yeah. thought he also said, you're the only one that ever cared, mm. but that might have been my emo melodramatic brain that made that line up. <laughs> Oh man, that just made me think. If they put Mister Freeze into the next Robert Pattinson Batman movie, who is going to win in that emo off? <clears throat> because you need to have a Mister Freeze. Mister Freeze is emo enough as it is. You're yeah. going to have to have a, a Mister Freeze that is <laughs> more emo than the Batman in your Batman movie, who is pretty emo to begin with. Yeah, is skulking around and being macabre a superpower? Because I think Batman's got you covered. <laughs> um, I think the one thing that won't age well in the Pattinson is uh, I get that he has to use uh, black makeup to darken his eyes, but when it starts to run down his face in the rain, and I'm saying this is a defender of the crow. <laughs> For me, that's a little too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that'll age well. <laughs> I, I love that stuff. I thought it was I thought it was a really different look. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna age well, who knows, but yeah. um but yeah, I uh this one these two episodes are both pretty dark in their endings because doesn't Mr. Freeze kills Linda Hamilton, I think. Oh, does he? I I can't. That. I can't remember if she gets freed from the ice, but he blasts her pretty good. I know Blight escapes, yeah. obviously, but I don't think she does. And then, like yeah. you said, you have he has that line about, uh, you know, uh, 
nobody cares. And then he just, he he explodes basically the whole building collapses in on him. And then Bruce is like, yeah, he's, uh, he's probably dead. I know I did. I, so I like the ending for Mr. Freeze when the movie, um, fuck the, the made for TV movie where he, uh, saves his wife and he walks off into the sunset. Zero, something zero, sub zero, sub zero. Yep. All right, so I thought that was a great ending. That was still the animation from the first season or first three Mm -hmm. seasons of the animated series. Mm -hmm. That was before they did the overhaul. When they did the overhaul, I was annoyed that they brought him back and gave him Eskimo chicks as henchmen, Mm -hmm. uh, and they took his goggles away. So I actually like that they revisited him here and gave him a better ending again. Yeah. Like, I liked ending number one. I didn't like ending number two. I like this third ending. So I'm, I like this episode for that reason, but I'm, I'm probably going to just, I'll be at a four on this one. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you bring up, you bring up Nora. Uh, Nora is not even, hardly even mentioned in yeah. this episode. She's not even a tombstone. Right. Next to I, his tombstone. I thought the tombstone he was going to see was Nora's tombstone. That makes more sense than him looking at his dead, buried head. Yeah, he made like a passing reference to it. And also, it seemed like he possibly had some sort of relationship with Linda Hamilton's character because, you know, they were kind of, you know, arm in arm walking into the cemetery. They seemed very chummy with each other. Um, It made, I was kind of surprised that, I mean, as soon as Mr. Freeze got a functioning human body again, he was like, uh, I've never been married. (laughs) Who, Nora? Who? Back on the prowl, Mister F- yeah. Doctor Freeze. Different centuries. It doesn't count. Yeah, as cheating. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so like that element. Like the, I, f- it feels like there was some stuff that they could have put back in, or, or if they had more time, like the Nora stuff. Um, yeah. I think I would have liked to have seen more tension between Bruce and Terry. Over whether or not Mister Freeze could have been saved, or what you know, because they, yeah. they they kind of hint at that, and I thought I, I, it reminded me of of uh, that season of animated series where it seemed like every villain episode was a is he going to turn over a new leaf episode, and yeah. which they did to varying degrees of success, and uh, mm-hmm. that's why I got so excited about this one because I was like, oh okay, this one feels like it's going trending in the right direction, and then they just kind of like kneecapped it and turned it into an action thing at the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm at a week four. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to give out many fives for this series um, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. I mean, there's a Justice League one that comes up that's pretty good. There's one where Terry's in charge of a baby, like it's a robot baby <laughs> he's supposed to take care of for his home ec class, yep. which is oddly fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, that'll piss off Beyond fans, but I just don't think the f- there's many fives in this series. Yeah, I, you know. But we'll see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go. This is tough because you have more of a working knowledge of the show than I do. Because based on these five, this one did not impress me more than any of the other ones have at this point. Like it was, I, I, th- I thought it was fine. Um, yeah. So I think based on that alone, I would give it a three. That's fair. But I reserve the right to later on realize that this was a better episode than I gave it credit for. I don't think you're going to uh, redo. I think a three, a high three, or is is fair yeah. for this. I, yeah, I would go I high three. I still think three. that the opening up, 
the episode where that opens, like Rebirth one and two, I think is still a better episode than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go high three, like because the potential was there. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, I love Mister Freeze, but uh, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't quite reach the heights I was I was expecting it to. Uh, what would you draw? Gets points for using Freeze. Oh, one last thing. Oh, sure, um, sure. I, I feel like maybe for Beyond, the lows. All right, so the highs aren't as high, but maybe the lows aren't as low. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Ah, maybe yes. even like the worst episode is just going to be like a week three. These. Maybe there'll be no true stinkers here, just like there were there were a few stinkers of the original series. The Star Trek Enterprise excuse, where it's not as bad as <laughs> it has been in the past, but it's also not as good as it has been in the past. Nice. That's fair. that was when we did. Uh, when we, what would I draw? I was just going to say Go when ahead. we did Enterprise, that was the thing we took away. Where it's like, well, it's not terrible. It's 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 oddly more consistent at being kind of mediocre. That's exactly right, man. Yeah. Um, so I I'd like to draw when we first see Freeze. He's just a head in some kind of like uh, janitor's closet. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I really love the way it was drawn. And I think that they were looking at Mignola, honestly, the way that the shadows on the face are. It, just, mm-hmm. it looks heavily like a Mignola. And Mignola helped design the original one, so it makes sense. But I kind of want to draw a splash of his head uh, in that closet, whatever, with shadows. And it would be like a page that's mostly black, and the head would be kind of small. But I think there would be a really uh, would be a cool way to take some artistic license yeah. and, and do it. Yeah, it would be pretty rad. Know. What about you? Well, I was going to say before that... Um... It was never explained how his head came to be in possession of Wayne Powers. However, Freeze reappeared in the DCAU-based comic books Batman Gotham Adventures number 5 and Batman Adventures 15. In the later issue, Freeze's head is retrieved by Warren Powers, Derek's father, head of Powers Technology, keeping it in the belief that it will lead him to seek to the secret of immortality. So I guess they, oh. they, they patched that up in, in the comics as to why Derek Powers has his head. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's an interesting twist. Um, what would I draw? I I I feel like I'm I'm gonna cop out and say I would just like to draw Mister Freeze because yeah. I love I love Mister Freeze. I love the design. I love his general design. Would I like this to draw this suit? I don't know if I like really like. I I might tweak the suit a bit, a bit and make it a little less giant robot-y. Um yeah, it, it does feel very large compared to his other suits. Yeah, but I do, I do love the way the light they do the light for the head and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I would probably want to do something in that last sequence where he uh, he reappears mm-hmm. and starts, you know, blasting people. Yeah, yeah, cool. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for meltdown. Take a quick break, and we'll be back with heroes. Okay, Heroes, written by Rich Fogel, directed by Butch Luchik. In uh, in this one, the terrific trio, a group of scientists who became superheroes after gaining powers in an experiment gone awry, make their way into Gotham and become media sensations. Sorry, I read that Mm. sentence incorrectly. (laughs) Hold on. The terrific trio, a group of scientists who became superheroes after gaining powers in an experiment gone awry, make their way into Gotham and become media sensations, period. Okay. But Magma, Freon, and the 2D Man soon learn 
that the accident that gave them their powers was not really an accident. Um, yeah, this one is kind of showing the hand on, on whether or not they're basing this show off of Marvel Comics stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, they're not even trying to hide it. I mean, they're obviously leaning into it, which I guess is the way to do it. Right, right. Um, um, and obviously, uh, all you're missing is... Um, Human Torch. Uh, Human Torch. But that your, Torch is combined with the thing, right, basically. Right. You know? Into... Uh, uh, and I just can't get away like you really couldn't make magma look different than clayface you don't it's you, such a you don't like hot clayface i do if clayface came back as a hot clayface <laughs> then that would be a good i'm gonna skip over the obvious joke hot, here. <laughs> hot clayface summer is what you want to see uh yeah I, I like the design but it's just like it's obviously singy clayface why not make it he's like um Magma can take the shape of anything. Why would you make an obvious ripoff of this other villain? You know? Right, right. I mean, he's the the one thing I'll say is that, and I think this goes to Clayface as well, is that mm-hmm. Magma ha- very much has like one of those old Jack Kirby monster designs feels to him with like that big kind of distended mouth yeah. sort of thing. And right. so I, I, if, excuse me, got coughing all over the place today. Um, hmm. If uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that Kirby influence was there for Clayface, and then they just kind of also right. applied it to this. Hey, do you know who the voice of uh, Magma was? Uh, Robert Davi. Yeah, yeah. And for people who don't know who that is, uh, the only James Bond movie I liked is the Timothy Dalton one, and Davi was the pot-marked face bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, and I think he came, he was basically was he typecast of the same kind of villain every time. Yeah, he kind of plays the same character a lot. He's uh, he's the lead <laughs> in um, Maniac Cop two and three, but where he plays a detective, mm-hmm. but he's kind of just playing the yeah. Robert Davi character as a detective. Right. His biggest credits are Die Hard and The Goonies. Which die? He's not in the first Die Hard. Is he? In- is he? It says uh, his name is Big Johnson in Die Hard. No shit. He must be one of the smaller, uh, yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he's one of the brothers yeah. with uh, Joey, Joe Pantoliano and Goonies, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's uh, also... Oh, so the rocket... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say he's also, uh, like many like many actors of his age and f- where he's from, he is uh, really thinks he's a great frank sinatra singer for some reason and has at least one album one album of frank sinatra covers that he put out that is uh if you ever wanted to hear your uncle sing frank sinatra that's what it sounds like (laughs) you know i had to admit uh i fucking hate frank sinatra uh my wife is into music and performing and all that i'm more of a tony bennett fan and i know they're basically the fucking same (laughs) but the joke in our house is i'll dig my heels in for tony bennett and frank sinatra can eat a dick and die (laughs) so frank sinatra is your john wayne is what you're saying that's right yeah i forgot about your john wayne hatred (laughs) i haven't (laughs) that was a good episode going back to talk about that i I listened to that episode afterwards and i was cracking up like yeah, I mean, I think our shtick could have been cleaned up a little bit, but I think we did it pretty well, considering we didn't even rehearse it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my fa- I've never been a Frank Sinatra fan. Uh, 
Yeah. But there is one thing about him that I find very fascinating. And it's that he actually put out a three album concept album, a sci fi concept album uh, in the 70s. And it is wild. It's like one of those uh, albums that nobody ever talks about, um, but also has a uh, song that is one of his, uh, what's it called, Um, standards on it. I think, I can't remember if it's New York, New York. I'm trying to look it up right now, but it's it's one of his like bigger songs is from this triple album called the past, the present, and the future, which is like a sci-fi concept album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's New York, yeah. New York, New yeah, New York, New York comes from uh, the, that, the middle album of this trilogy. That is annoyingly punk rock <laughs> of him. Is it? I don't know. It feels like it was. Everybody else was doing concept <laughs> albums, and the A and R guy was like, "Frank, Frank, you got to do the future, baby. You got to do some science fiction. It's what the kids love. The Star Wars." Yeah. Is this before, so going back to Die Hard, uh Frank Sinatra was actually supposed to play the lead in that. That is not a joke. Right? Yes, you are correct. Yes. It yeah. was it was yeah. based on a book and the when the book was first optioned, yes, I believe Frank Sinatra was supposed to play the lead, yeah. And they by contract had to offer it to them and they're like, "Please say no. You're obviously too old. Please <laughs> yes, say no." Right. And luckily he said no. Yes. And then that's when Bruce Willis got his big break. Now, if they had done this movie if they, they, this story had happened now, he probably would have done it because old man action heroes right. are in vogue. So, yeah. Ooh, what if you had this very meta movie idea? But you take Looper, and George uh, Bruce Willis goes back in time to kill Frank Sinatra so that he can retain the role of Die Hard. Mm. Well, I mean, that seems kind of unnecessary because he didn't take the role of Die Hard. You have. To- that's true. <laughs> That's why That's the movie the problem. would be hysterical. That's the problem with time travel like, movies. They're always something making them, making them implausible. Well, this is the modern version of Bruce Willis where he's got uh, whatever. his. Uh, uh, he's going to retire soon because he has a mental condition, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, not going to be insensitive here, but I guess I am. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been confirmed, by the way? Yeah. Uh, he... Um, he he just put out a press release in the last couple of weeks saying he was t- he was stepping away from acting because of uh, whatever the condition he has. Okay, yeah. I thought we were going off of a rumor based on a rumor for a while. It, uh, but if he actually came out and said something, then that's better. Yeah, it was a rumor, but then he he definitely, yeah. ironically, uh, confirmed it via his daughter, whose name is Rumor. So funny how that works out. Is that real? I, I believe so. His daughter's name is Rumor, and I think she did. She at least commented huh. on it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Anyway, um, that's a good name for a girl. If I was single, and I'm obviously a nine, not a six, everybody. <laughs> but if I spent a girl at a bar and her name was Rumor, I'm like, hmm, I feel like I should take you home just to congratulate you on your name. You know, you could do that without <laughs> that stuff. You could do that now, honestly, without the second part and, and not have any awkwardness or realizing you're actually like a, a high seven at best. <laughs> <laughs> thanks coming from a three that's that feels really thank good you, play. Thank, thank you thank you thank you uh, a, a, uh a terrific a terrific three as the terrific trio hey good good job yeah <laughs> back here, my, here we are back my you know five f- five to ten years of podcasting my segues are fantastic um, um i uh feel like what i would want to draw in this is the 2d man 
And it's either going to be the quickest day ever in the studio or the longest day. Because if you dive yeah. in, you find out this is actually a lot harder than I thought. That would be really annoying. Yeah, that that one, I think that's one that, that looks really easy. But once you start to dig into that, you're like, oh boy, this is not as simple as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, I would try to draw him like a, 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 like a six foot tall poster. So 2D. And you'd have to draw him like a ribbon. So you draw him from the side. You'd probably have to use um, your French curves a lot to, to yeah, do it right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe. Ugh. Yeah, I'm already regretting this. <laughs> <laughs> what would you draw? Um, uh, I would draw. Well, we should probably talk about the actual episode before we oh, get to that. Oh, sorry. Stuff. I didn't mean to skip to the end. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, so this is this is the Fantastic Four, basically, with, with a bit of a sort of a dark twist to it. Yeah. Um, I... I can't decide if I like this episode or not because it's. Mm-hmm. I think the story is fun, but I can't. the uh, The Fantastic Four of it all kind of trips me up a bit, but at the same time, it is kind of a fun, dark look at the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, and it they, again referencing uh, Terry being Spider Man, they more or less shot for shot do a very famous Spider Man sequence where he's trapped under that big. Uh, machinery oh, yeah. thing and then yeah. pushes it off like they even the moment that he pushes it off it looks like they just traced the uh ditko or i can't remember if it was ditko or amita who drew it of yeah. him like throwing the thing off of him which i really liked but all i could think of is yeah batman beyond is just kind of spider-man 2099 <laughs> i think that was Ramita. uh ditko i don't think his style was advanced enough to draw that kind of panel mm-hmm. you know you, you keep talking i'm gonna look at this up yeah but yeah it's uh I, I liked, I liked it, um, but yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really think of, there's not much more to it for me other than being kind of like a clever twist on the Fantastic Four, um, incredibly dark ending where they all seem to die, uh, so that was unexpected, and yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> all right, hold on, artist, oh shit, it might have been Ditko. After I just, I think it's is it Spider Man? <laughs> is it like Spider Man thirty three? I think is this one that has water pouring on his shoulder? Yes. Yeah. All right. So I have the panels. Please come on, internet, describe it correctly. Don't make me hit Google, Google again. Yeah, it's 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 Ditko. Yeah. Oh fuck! All right, I was thinking of a different panel where he's pushing up machinery. God damn it. All right. So I I apologize to the ghost of Ditko. <laughs> that's the that if you want to talk about Dave Mustaine's, that's the Dave Mustaine of of the golden age of comics, I can tell you that much. What made him uh Black Pill? Black out of comics. Pill? Yeah, that's you never heard that phrase? No. You you nope out. You basically take the black oh, pill and you're like you, I'm done. You walk away. I he had I I don't remember exactly his huge beef with with marvel but i mean obviously he had huge problems with marvel and stan lee and uh i mean he did work at uh dc for a while and then he just kind of disappeared i'm not totally sure why yeah he just seems like he was kind of a one of those kind of guys yeah man the uh on this page the way the water is splashing off of spider-man it looks like uh well let's just say an anime uh hentoy <laughs> artist would be very proud <laughs> yes some very yes. goop, goopy water. Um, man, I um, wonder what that page is worth. That's nuts. I bet that's like a 
$300,000 page if you have the original. Oh, yeah. 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 I may, it might not exist. I don't know. Did you ever hear that? Uh, I heard a story once that um, someone went to like visit Ditko or something, and he was use it, found him using old Spider-Man pages to as um, cutting boards. So Jesus. he was putting his pages underneath something as he was cutting, and he would just be razoring through them as he was cutting. I heard... Um, but also, uh, it Kirby's. was the era where they wouldn't give them their artwork back, so who knows? Okay, so I found a panel that I thought you were talking about. It's Spider-Man in the Rain. Uh, it's a... Oh, okay. It is, it's John Romita Jr., though. Okay, well... So, okay. Is it that cover? The cover with the, where he's like thrown the suit out? No, that's a classic one too. Um, this is a splash, like page one, uh, classic oh, 80s okay. style Marvel. Um, a shock to the system, I think is what the chapter is called. Ah, okay. But anyway, and if people who aren't, <laughs> no one can see who we're talking about, so this must be really annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ditko, uh, just black pill, noping out. I, I think that's interesting. And I, I think about guys like him and um, uh, Bill Watterson. Um and in the era of everyone wants to be famous and get their clicks and likes on YouTube uh, and uh, Twitter, it's even more bizarre. Someone would just be freaked out or annoyed by success and just <laughs> drop off the radar completely, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like not even yeah. a mic drop. He's just gone. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a certain temperament of, of certain people. And he, he yeah. always seemed like he, from what I have heard and read about him he seems like the type to be a uh it doesn't surprise yeah. me so much that he kind of just took his mm -hmm. ball and went home to to a certain extent i actually wanted to record a podcast with someone that uh talked about waterson and i i know everyone loves to gush on robert on uh, waterson and i can do that too but i wanted to um be devil's advocate here and push back and call waterson uh kind of an asshole uh and i think <laughs> it's kind of bullshit that he walked away i mean if his excuse for ending Calvin and Hobbes is, oh, I don't like the newspapers are out of fashion. Oh, I don't like that I have to change the format. Oh, I don't like that uh, coloring takes so long. Oh, I don't like this and that. Well, you can still do Calvin and Hobbes your way now. Coloring is easier. You can do whatever format you want. Um, but a lot of his excuses for being fed up are bullshit. Um, mm. They might have been, they might have felt true at the time uh, for him, but... Once 10 years went by, I think, I, I mean, if I knew where he lived, I'd be like, hey, man, like, if you're mad, if you don't want to work, don't work. But just so you know, uh, you can still do your book and or do something new. And uh, you, don't have to you don't have to worry about 80% of the shit you complained about. Um, and to get into the licensing stuff a little bit, because he was notorious for wanting zero licensing, like, I failed to see how a calendar of Calvin and Hobbes or even like a simple a statue um, is betraying... Um, like, I get you don't want a cartoon, because a cartoon means you're going to have to get a voice actor, and what the hell does Calvin even sound like? All right, to me, you know, I wouldn't give a shit, but I can see why that's important to you. But, like, you won't even let us have a plushie of Hobbes? Like, go fuck yeah. yourself, man. I don't I don't know. Like, some of the, what Watterson <laughs> says and does kind of annoys me. Uh, and I know it's not okay to say that about him, because we all love him, but I, I wouldn't mind doing a podcast where I just give a little bit of pushback. Maybe this would, is it. <laughs> would, you be, would you be happy if, like... He, he was like, yeah, honestly, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, if he was like, I have nothing else to say, and I'm just kind of done, that's fine. But yeah. it's insane to me to see a, a piece of art that is firing on all cylinders, that moved 
the entire world, it seems. From all of that skill and passion, you, you can just put that on the shelf and walk away? Like, that is insane to me. You know, if you enjoy playing guitar, all right, fine, quit the band. But I imagine you're still playing the guitar and you're going to do something else with it at some point. But mm-hmm. And I know that his whole thing was like, I'm going to be a painter now. And he walks through the woods and paints with his dad. And he had this weird idea that you're not a real painter unless you do a thousand paintings. Or who, who knows what, what's in that guy's fucking head. Um, but I just find his elitism, uh, I would call it elitism. It just feels very annoying. And um, I, I get a little irked when people go on and on about how amazing he is. I just... I want to do that Clay McCormick thing where I take a long sip and I'm like, well, actually, half the things he complained about are actually not problems anymore. So if he was really this great man that we all think of him, he could have done something else and not had as many complaints. Well, I would never be so petty as to criticize someone's personal choices like that. So That's not true. <laughs> uh, man, Professional, I maybe. Personal. I love it, but it's just a mystery. And anything they do about Calvin and Hobbes there's a book that I read about him. They turned it into a documentary. It's because there's nothing to for content. It's just a, a guy or a girl making a story about what Calvin Hobbes oh, meant yeah. to them. There's there's yeah. nothing there. It's like this is a 20 minute love letter. This isn't actually like educational content at all. Have uh, Have you ever watched documentary now on IFC? The uh, show with Fred Armisen and uh, Bill Hader. Uh, no. No. It's man, it's fucking brilliant. They basically they take their favorite documentaries mm-hmm. over the years and they do like parodies of them. Mm-hmm. And it's a very like it's some of them are e- easy easy uh drop-ins, but some of them are like very specific references that you're only mm-hmm. going to get if you've seen this one documentary that's like 50 years right. old or whatever. Right. Um and they did one <laughs> they did one that was essentially that documentary and it was it was kind of sending up this um modern trend of documentaries where people were were making quote-unquote documentaries that just amounted to them essentially driving around and talking about the thing that they liked but not actually Mm. ever getting to the subject and i think if i remember correctly i think it was specifically that documentary you're talking about that they were making fun of because i think Mm -hmm. that they were trying to track down a cartoonist or something but they ultimately (laughs) don't and it's it's worth it's worth watching if if you if you are annoyed by that documentary watch that episode of documentary now and i think you'll like it i will yeah i will i uh yeah it's a mystery man the fucking waterson what a what a piece of work like i bet i'm i'm forever thankful that he gifted us all calvin and Hobbes, but I don't think I'd ever want to hang out with a guy or get a beer with him or, or meet him. I'll bet that's like one of those uh, never meet your heroes types of life lessons, you know? Yeah. What if you met him and he was like really happy and healthy with his life and just living his best life and he just, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, that was what I did and then I don't do it anymore and I just, you know, I felt like being staying uh, staying off the radar. I'd say fuck you, man. Your creation is too, more important than your happiness. Get back to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you over the counting of the Dotsons that I have that I've been just looking at and, and just... They, they all work, by the way. Oh, and, have uh, you pulled up in a Dotson? I'd be like, hey, man, I, I get you, brother. Absolutely. Drive yeah. safe. Well, that, yeah, they, then you would get it. Then you would get it, yeah. Um, speaking of cars, this, this segue actually works. All right. Uh, did you notice the, the, the military limo in this? That the oddly, first of all, the the army and the police in this episode are hilarious because they are, the army is so comically over the top in how evil they are and how overzealous they are, where they just start showing up and just start 
blasting the shit out of the building that the 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 terrific trio live in and yeah. the general has a hitler mustache yeah which i could I, uh, yeah yeah that's a risky uh I, that's a risky design choice yeah i don't know if you do that one anymore but uh um but yeah the car that he was in this like military limo is actually pretty cool looking it was like it was like a long green olive drab limo that that was like a hover limo that looked like it almost had like a detached front piece or something that kind of looked like treads it was a cool looking car yeah I'm trying to look it up right now. I missed it. I must have been looking down at my phone. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds cool. Mm. Also, why why is it that all the police and military in the show wear open-faced tight-fitting helmets with chin straps? Like I, not like <laughs> not like military helmets, but they're just like sci-fi helmets that feel like they should have some sort of face shield, but they're yeah, just open-faced. Like- it's like what Gambit used to wear, but it covers their hair as well. It's yeah, like if you want to yeah. punch them, they left you a little window where that's where you punch this officer. <laughs> exactly, yes. Without having to worry about breaking your hand on some glass. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I the, the cops in this, I was like, oh, man. So for my book, I gave the cops more, the GCPD, more traditional police-type uniforms. And I forgot to check what they looked like in Batman Beyond. And they have these cool, like, black and white suits with, like, red uh, number badges on their chest. I was like, fuck, that would have been that would have been good. <laughs> um, I'm thinking maybe um, for the end battle, when it gets to be, uh, when the GCPD fights the GTO, maybe that's what the GCPD will wear. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah one of the a dozen things that I wish I could go back and tweak, but it's too late. Yeah, the GTO guys in your book kind of almost look like... Um... Who is it? The uh, uh, the Derek Powers guards with that sort of shriek-looking suit. Yeah. Is that what I? I'll look it up later. I don't want to keep looking stuff up at a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll check that out. But uh, yeah, man, I uh, I feel fucking Ditko leaving. Man, I I think about quitting too sometimes. Uh, maybe we'll save this for another podcast. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, as, as much as I'm annoyed that uh, Watterson leaves, uh, with dealing with my own frustrations, um, and I don't have a million dollars of merchandising on the table. So what Watterson went through is obviously um, a lot more grand than anything I've been through. But even with the speed bumps that I run into, sometimes it's enough to make me want to quit or retire for a few years and just take a break because... Yeah, it just sucks when you're working so hard to do your best, and the in- you're trying to work at a a plus work, and the industry is functioning at D minus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I it's totally understandable that the the exhaustion of it, especially, is gonna if you if you're if you're working so hard and you, and you feel like it's not exactly um, being uh, no. respected, mm. then that could be very uh, very tiring and frustrating Here, that's I a good point that the the exhaustion is another variable that isn't always oh you have it here clay Let's yeah. check out this car oh yeah that is pretty cool like it's very simple but it was a design that stood out to me i don't know why it has those weird like skids on the front of it i was but... gonna ask are those skis <laughs> it's like a military snowmobile yeah cool um, yeah, maybe I'd, I'd redesign that. Um, I gave uh, Powers in my book a, a limo, and it has um, four wheels in the back rather than two, mm. so it's 
a little bit more tank tank like i guess but not really mm -hmm. but uh yeah that one, that one looks pretty neat too yeah i had to draw a futuristic limo for um redline the sci-fi mm -hmm. book i did a few years ago yeah. yeah, I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I, I, if I could go back and redo something in that book, it would definitely be the limo because it was it only was only in a couple shots, but like I didn't, it it didn't read yeah. as as much as a limo as I thought it would. Um, and my de my design wasn't horribly interesting, so I would probably take another swing at that if I could go back in yeah. time. But uh, <laughs> after I killed Frank Sinatra to make sure he didn't become diehard. <laughs> You know, it's funny, so, uh, I was rewatching Blade Runner 2049, and as this fight scene builds up where it's uh, Joe versus uh, Rick Deckard. The volcano. What's that? Yeah, yeah. The Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> nice. Is that a dad joke? I think it might be. <laughs> sure. It's a Tom um, Hanks joke. You can you can kind of see like, oh man, there's gonna be there's gonna be some either Elvis or Frank Sinatra because they're in Vegas, and I was so happy oh, when sure. they went with. Uh, Elvis. I was like, okay, I'm not a big Elvis fan, but I get the Elvis appeal. And if I was writing this movie, I would have put Elvis in there too. Why not? But then they do. <laughs> then I. Then at the end, they do work in a Frank Sinatra song, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I can't escape him. <laughs> well, now I know if I ever need to. If you're ever riding too high, and any of us really need to ruin the time that you're having, we'll just start singing uh, "I Did It My Way" or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I know he's talented. I just don't get it. And I think it's like when someone tells you that you're an idiot for not liking the Beatles. It makes you not want to mm -hmm. like the Beatles even more, you know? Right, right. Um, so what How did? What did you think of this episode overall? Because I, 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 I'm not really sure where I come down on this one. I, I think if you wanted to do a revisit of the Fantastic Four and show them being fucked over by their creator, I can see a really good episode but you have to change the tone a lot and mm -hmm, refocus mm -hmm. a lot of things. So I could see this episode being a four or five. They really handled it well. But as it's presented, I don't know. I don't really care about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, like I was saying, it's tough because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's doing much more than just being a riff on Fantastic Four. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like Terry comes away with much of a yeah. lesson or anything. I feel like Bruce mm -hmm. isn't even really in it that much. Yeah, I mean, the idea, I mean, it, it, Bruce can say, this is great. If these guys can take over, then we don't need Batman anymore. And Terry could have said, but absolutely would never say that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, so Terry, no, Terry's having too much fun. I don't think he wants to stop it either. Well, he kind of, doesn't he kind of say that where he's like, oh, I guess I, I guess some of my nights will be more free now that these guys are in town. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce isn't so sure because he's cynical right, and dark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, there, there could be a re, revision. Re, uh, you could redo this in some ways to make it better, but this isn't the one that draws me. I, I'd give it like a three out of five, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I would say the same. I would probably give it a three. Um, I don't find the. I, I, it's a cute idea, but I don't find the the the, ter the terrific trio any, um, that memorable. Hmm. Um, and now, if it had been a future version of the terrible trio, that awful group of frat guys in, in animal masks then maybe we'd have an episode but you know what uh, i'm with you on that <laughs> let's take the worst episode and fix it we'll read it we'll yeah. uh retcon it and make it really great actually <laughs> 
Yeah, it has it has some some fun animation in it though. The the red cockpit shot inside the Batmobile continues to be very cool. Um, you, we get to see that the the display is like radar or something. It's got that sort of like Daredevil look to it, where everything is very um, mm. computery, which is kind of fun. Yeah, but like eighties computery, like uh, at the beginning right. of Escape from New York, yes. where it's a yes. grid. But all the buildings, like when three D was brand new. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. But yeah, overall, yeah, I would say three. It's 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 fine. I think it's enjoyable enough, but it's not blowing blowing my socks off. You know, it's yeah. so it's so interesting to look at these shows in chronological order because I I feel like if we hadn't watched TAS, mm. I feel like our are less than stellar reviews of some of these and and our glowing remembrance of TAS would feel a little bit like, oh, maybe we're just nostalgically remembering how good that show was. But having gone through everything, yeah, I just it's tough for me to watch some of these episodes that are they're totally fine, but it's mm-hmm. like like the Mr. Freeze one. It's tough for me to watch that Mr. Freeze episode and not think about four five or six episodes from the first season of batman the animated series that just do so much more with the time that they're given and tell stories that are so much more involved and Mm. uh so i think that's why these these abrupt ones that are just sort of like half a good idea and then a fight scene bum me out so much yeah so i think the um perfect viewer for this it's probably uh, age 35 right now, so which mm-hmm. means he was probably age 10 when this came out. So you're born in, I don't know, I can't do math. Um, so if you're 35 and you remember watching this as a kid, you were the target audience. And maybe you love this stuff. And maybe uh, Batman, the animated series, you were too young for it. But this this series absolutely caught your attention and you loved it. If that person went back and watched TAS, would they go... Oh yeah, this is still better. This is way better than Batman Beyond. Or mm. would they hold uh, more tightly to Beyond? You know, maybe this is doing something. Maybe you and I are just aged out, and because this isn't our Batman, we're being unfair to it. I don't know. I I feel like we've been able to view all of these shows under a a, a, a all of, obviously we we there's a certain amount of nostalgia built into it, but I feel like we've been able to analyze them as stories. Fairly honestly, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe you're right, but I, yeah, I you're right. I mean, it, it does have pacing problems. It it doesn't have time to let the emotional beats sink in. They're clearly yeah. marketing it to be lighter and quicker for kids. They're not getting as deep into the waters with it. Like that's not my bias speaking. Those are actual problems in the delivery. You know, right. <laughs> whether you like yeah. this or not, those are that is what is happening here. So yeah. I, yeah, I think that's uh, some of our criticism is unbiased, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I'd I mean, love to see that's... someone passionately defend this. I want to know the best argument why this is better than the animated series. And I've never met mm. anybody that claimed that, but I'm curious. Like that guy has to be out there, and I'd like to know his best argument about why this is better. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there is a certain level of <clears throat> the approach is is per- different on purpose, so it's not. It is a little bit more spectacle than the animated series was and and by design which you know is probably true but um maybe maybe this is maybe this is good for the same reasons that like brave and the bold is well brave and the bold is 
is pretty good no matter how you shake it, I think. But, yeah. but yeah. you know, it's just – it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Not that I don't like this because I do, but it's just yeah. I'm – I think since it's still under the umbrella of the creative team of the original mm-hmm. animated series, I feel like my my bar is a little bit higher for it, whether that's right. fair or not. I, I rewatched um, <clears throat> uh, season one episode with the um, the mob boss and his brother, the priest – and there's oh, a yeah. whole tra- train sequence. Um, and I was thinking, like, man, this is so not for kids. Right. This is, this is so for ages 18 to 35, like, clearly. Um, and that's normally, well, back in the 90s, that wasn't seen as the toy-buying market at all. Um, if I was a producer and I saw this, I'd be like, guys, this is great, but kids aren't, this is beyond what kids are thinking. This is too um, complicated for them. Um, I think you guys missed the mark here as far as what we were aiming to do. As an adult, I fucking love it. I love that episode, and I'm glad that it right. was beyond, beyond me. And um, But I think as a kid, I'm like, oh, I was only getting 80% of it because a lot of the themes were just too mature for me. But I, I sensed that I'm like, oh, this is like different than Wildcats. There's something different happening here. The pacing is different. Like I don't know what it is that I'm experiencing right now, but I know that it's more adult. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's still enough fun parts that I'm entertained, but it sort of had to retrain me on how to think about storytelling because at the time I was just, you know, watching, you know, Transformers and Ninja Turtles. And then this came along. I was like, whoa, this is different. There's no pizza in the show at all. (laughs) (laughs) This must be for adults. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Cool. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably going to do it for us for for these two, for Meltdown and Heroes. Uh, Yeah. Thank you guys for listening as always. And if you'd like to um, hear Sean and I talk about the newly announced, officially announced Red Hood, White Knight Red Hood book that we worked on, that'll be coming out later this year. You can find that episode on our Patreon channel, which is patreon.com slash the Penske file. Penske file is our kind of umbrella corporation, so to speak, with fewer zombies. Um, And there's so much other stuff on there in, in the Patreon as well, Batman and otherwise. And yep. uh, speaking of which, the next episodes we have on this are Shriek and Dead Man's Hand, and Shriek is, plays a pretty sizable role in our Red Hood book, so maybe we can touch on that a bit when we talk nice. about it. Also, uh, Clay and I are going to be going to San Diego Comic-Con this year. Uh, yes. I have not been for 11 years, um, but I feel like it's time to go. Uh I want to meet the new editors and people who are in charge at DC. There's been three rounds of layoffs. There's one happening right now. And uh, business-wise, I want to meet the new blood just so I can get on their radar and check my job and my books and my career. And um, Red Hood will be out by then. I think that's in uh, July or August. I think July. Mm -hmm. So perfect time for Clay to go, and I can get him in the door to network with whoever. Um, Yeah, I feel like we have to go. Um, I'm sure they're going to set... Clay and I up with signings at the DC booth. Um, if not, I'll have a local vendor, um, maybe Stuart Ng or some other like California shop. We could just sit at their booth and do a signing there. Um, yeah, so if you're planning on going, Clay and I are as well, and uh, we'll try to find a way to meet up with you guys or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I have only been to San Diego once, and it was in 2006 after I graduated from college. So I'm sure nothing has changed in uh, 15 years. In a way, years. it hasn't. In a way, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. No, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to getting back out there, see what it's, see what it's like. Yeah, I want to see you uh, sit and sign and deal with uh, 
you know, readers and people asking you questions and you getting recognized. And I think it'll be fun to watch you uh, grow, young grasshopper. <laughs> I want all the magic xylophone questions you people have. Just throw them at me. I don't care. I don't care how how crazy they are. Yeah, what's great uh, is but, if someone asks me like, "Why the hell did you make Jason Todd the first Robin?" I'm like, "Please direct your question to Clay. Thank you. <laughs> Just gonna throw you under the bus." <laughs> well, that's okay because I know the answer to that question. I can throw you right under the back tires of that bus, so it's fine. <laughs> that's, uh, that seems pretty fair. <laughs> But uh, uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for all the support. And uh, we'll see you next time with Shriek and Dead Man's Hand.